that's going to be used on Sunday and studying it a little bit ahead of time on Saturday. So um, you're always welcome to join us. <clears throat> so the scripture today is Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The Old Testament reading is in Isaiah. It's chapter 45, verses 22 through 25. Isaiah 45, starting at verse 22. And previously in the chapter, it keeps saying, for this is what the Lord says. For this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I'm sure you already have uh, tons of questions, um, whether it's the hot dog in the bulletin. Um, if you haven't seen that yet, uh, go ahead and take a look. But Or the title of the sermon, uh, Jesus is Empty. It's very clickbaity. Um, um, or this ridiculous shirt that I wear. Um, it's the whole point. It's for the shirt to be ridiculous. So, um, and, but to answer the first question, the hot dog, we'll get to that. It's wonderful. Um, Jen has been freaking out that I, I won't give her the answer to what it's about or why it's in there. Um, so um, feel free to be freaking out as well. <laughs> and then um, the, the clickbaity title. I absolutely can't stand clickbait uh, on the internet and, and just the, the idea of taking what 
someone said and confining it into three words and saying this is exactly what you need to know. Um, so if someone were to hear this sermon and that's all they took away is Jesus is empty, they'd be missing the whole point. Um, so just being focused on um, concentrating on the full message and not just something as simple as Jesus is empty. And then the shirt, I just like the shirt. So <laughs> makes me feel comfortable. It's, it's kind of a monstrosity. So um, <laughs> leading into the sermon, I, I couldn't help but be focused on uh, the Feed My Starving Children campaign that I took part in and you all took part in or most of you took part in last year and the cow's been doing for 10 years. It's just been... Um, it's something that was in my life a long time ago, but coming back to it, it's just such an awesome experience. Um, but in 1987, Feed My Starving Children was founded. It was founded by a Minnesota businessman who went on a mission trip to Honduras. And when they're in, the, in Honduras, he uh, heard God say, if you've seen my starving children, feed them. And so, being filled with the passion and fire of God, he comes back and starts this foundation and Shortly thereafter, the foundation produces a new food uh, uh, formula that could be spread across borders, across cultures, and could possibly feed all the people in the world. All they needed was some volunteers to start this process. So the first year of Feed My Starving Children, 2,409, a very exact number, 2,409 volunteers packed over 400,000 meals. The company has seen some growth, I think, over the years. Um, Because in 2017, the most recent numbers I could find, more than 1.2 million volunteers packed more than 333 million meals. A thousand-fold of the original year's meals. Just one year. It's just awesome. But it all started just because one person heard God and saw a need and filled a need. So in the text today, in the book of Philippians... Paul is teaching a new church how to operate. He's giving them a formula. Um, He's trying to um, help them understand who Jesus is, um, what what he's doing, and what they're supposed to do about it. Because these people are already volunteering, right? They're already showing up, but they have no idea what they're doing. So let's look at how this foundation is going to grow um, by addressing those questions that I just asked of who Jesus is, what he's doing in this passage, and what we're going to do about it. Um, to find out who Jesus was, we can look at his nature. And in verse 6, uh, if you want to turn there, we'll, we'll kind of be going throughout the whole passage if you want to follow along. Jesus was in the form of God. There are alternative translations, like the one that Lois read um, today. It says Jesus was in the nature of God. It seems pretty straightforward um, to me, but Jesus was God. I think we're taught this kind of early on, whether you're new to church um, today or you've been in Sunday school or been attending church and been in Sunday school. It's kind of a very early thing. Jesus is God. They're born in the same. But why is the language so important here? Well, I want us to look closely at the passage. More specifically, I want to look closely at the word was. Paul chooses his words extremely carefully in this passage. If you look at the Greek, which all of you do, every week, (laughs) and are very focused on the original language. Um, There's a word in verse 10 that literally changes the meaning of every verb that follows it. So if you miss one word, the entire message would be different. No pressure, though. I mean, it's not... 
It's not that big of a deal. Um, but again, Paul chooses his words carefully. He chooses was, not is. Not Jesus came into the world and he is God. No, Jesus came into the world and he was God. Meaning that his godly nature predates his existence in this text. Was in the sense that his godly nature predates his existence in the world. And not his existence, but predates the world. Was in the sense that his godly nature predates humanity. Before all this happened, Jesus was God. But we're not done here. The text continues in verse 7b, or the second half of verse 7. He was born in human likeness, and being found in human form. Again, Paul chooses his words carefully. Um, We get a present tense action verb. Um, The ing gives that away. The word being occurs twice. The word has a definite starting point in time, but it goes on throughout time. It doesn't stop. So Jesus is still human in the original language. I do not know how many of you keep up with your creeds. Um, This isn't a creedal church. This isn't a creedal denomination. I didn't grow up in a creedal church or a creedal denomination um, and didn't know anything about them until I was in college. But they're basically documents of what the church, capital C church, believed at a certain time and, uh, what, and what they needed to announce to the world. Uh, so the Chalcedonian Creed is where a church committee got together and decided that Jesus has two natures in one self. You want to read that? It's super uh, beautiful language and really complicated to understand, and you'll have to Google and thesaurus and take forever, but it's wonderful if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so they decided Jesus is God and he is human. We see that this comes from this text. We see Jesus was God, and then when he came into the world, he became human. But he did not stop being God when he took on the human form. The thing is, he was 100% both things in oneself. Um, now that's kind of hard to wrap your brain around. Um, so to better understand this, let's take the example of a hot dog. So if you were alive five years ago and active on social media, you may have witnessed the great hot dog debate. Um, Maybe if you were lucky, you experienced it firsthand. I won't bore you with the statistics of all the fights, deaths, and divorces that this debate caused. (laughs) But I will tell you that there were two and only two sides. A hot dog was either a hot dog or it was a sandwich. It could not be both, it would not be both, and you could not be on both sides. Yes, I'm still angry about this. So I, <laughs> I, I was firmly in the camp that a hot dog was 1,000% a sandwich. It literally meets the definitions of what a sandwich is. It's a split roll bun with meat, meat-like substance or substance in general, in the bun. Um, so, literally by definition, hot dog, hot dog bun, right? Got a hot dog. I don't know what. I don't want to know what a hot dog is. So, um, but it's in there. It's a sandwich. But then a higher power came and announced that it was not a sandwich. That higher power is the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. (laughs) Yes, they exist. Yes, they have a Twitter account. Yes, they still have a Twitter account. Um, But they tweeted a hot dog is not a sandwich, and so the argument was over. I can never win. Um, I'm still not angry about it. Don't worry. But still, I couldn't let it go until I was working on this sermon at like 3 in the morning in the middle of December, trying to figure out, what is my doing here? 
And it's hit, it finally hit me that just as Jesus was fully God and fully man, a hot dog is 100% a sandwich and 100% a hot dog. <laughs> now, it's not the perfect analogy, but I think it gets the job done. <laughs> and so we looked here at who Jesus was, and we looked at his nature, but what did he do in this text? What are his actions? So if we go back to the beginning of verse 7, we see, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. So Jesus performs two actions in this passage. He empties himself, and he takes on a new form. We've already looked at the second part a little bit, not specifically the slave, but we looked at the type of forms that he's taken on. And so let's go back and start with the emptying of himself. What could it possibly mean by empty? Some scholars believe that Jesus emptied himself of his godliness when he came into the earth, but we kind of already covered that a little bit. Um, when we looked at the last passage and looked at his nature, we're going to use this in a second. Um, and if the Greek is to be taken seriously, which again, always is, look at the Greek, even if you can't read it. Just kidding, don't do that. That's a waste of time. Um, but the act of emptying here is not an act of subtraction, but instead an act of addition. It was not like taking a trash can and dumping its contents on the floor, and it, it was full, and now it's empty. It's nothing like that. It's not that kind of act of emptying, right? It's not taking um, all the Starbucks cups that you've uh, been using over the last three days that have tried to keep you up while you're working on your sermon. It's not all your rough drafts. It's not any of that kind of emptying. It is instead um, an act of addition. And today, yes, we are only going to be dealing in paradoxes. Um, so the two natures, the act of addition when you're emptying. But to, better get, to get a better grasp of this, let's go back and look at the previous statement before. Because he also took on the form of a slave. Not a slave in our sense of the understanding, not completely, but he came as someone who was solely meant to serve. So he was God, and he humbled himself. You can see that in verse 8. And he came to serve. Jesus came to empty himself into the world. Empty himself into our lives and empty himself on that cross. Now we look back at the text to see what happened next, to see why the paradox makes sense. We look at verse 9, therefore. You get a wonderful transition word. It implies that there is something with purpose that is going to happen next. We're going to find out why. Therefore God exalted his name on high and gave him the name that is above every name, so that on the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess to Jesus Christ as Lord, hallelujah, to the glory of God. You see, when Jesus emptied himself, he did not lose anything. He did not come into this world and lose his godliness. He did not lose his humanity when he died on the cross. But when he emptied himself, he became even greater. Right. See, he was, he was a servant. But he became something more. He was God. But he became something more. He was Jesus of Nazareth, a carpenter. But he became Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Because he emptied himself and took on a new form. God took his name and put it on most high. So at the sound of his name, just the sound of his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. 
And so we see what he's done, right? And we know who he is. But what are we going to do about it? The best way to start is by looking past ourselves. And to do that, we finally get to go back to the beginning of the passage, um, verses 1 through 5. I want to reread that again. If there is any encouragement in Christ, I keep coming back to this, but um, when I've been going through this over and over, but the if just strikes me. Because after you've read what's come later, I've, I don't know how you couldn't receive some form of encouragement. Mm-hmm. But let's continue. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but humility. Regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. I really hope that hits a little differently this time than the time you heard it 20 minutes ago or if you read it yesterday in your class or if you haven't seen this passage before at all. And I really hope that you have an understanding of what Paul was asking the Philippians to do. What this, ta- what this text is asking us to do today as Christ followers. The text is asking us to be like Christ. To take on the mind of a servant, to empty ourselves into the world, to empty ourselves into God's people, into this community around us, and to empty ourselves in the honor of the beautiful cross. So God can come into our lives and add to us, and that we may be exalted. Yet this text reminds us that our selfishness gets in our way, that our need to add to ourselves keeps us from God, keeps God from adding to us. We focus so much on the idea of being exalted, of being saved, of having a golden ticket that gets us into heaven, but we ignore what we must do. We must be like Jesus. We must come with a purpose of being a servant. We have been given the the tools. We've been given the community around us. We've been shown the way. Now we must empty ourselves into the world. I feed my starving children in 2019. People picked up boxes of soy, veggies, and rice, and they emptied them into bags. One bag filled is ready to feed two children for a whole day. Just imagine what 1.5 million meals packed this last year in DeKalb, Illinois, will do in this world. Then imagine the more than 10 million meals that have been packed and the impact they will have on this world. And it all started with the emptying of a box. Imagine what will happen when you empty yourself. Today we've looked at three questions. Who is Jesus? What did he do? And what are we going to do about it? We looked at his nature. We looked at the actions. And we looked past ourselves. But I want to leave you with this charge. Look for a place to empty yourself this week. Look for a way to give back. Look for a way to serve. It's just one more thing to add to your list, I know. But it's so impactful to see how far that work will go. How little it can be and how much it can do. So please, look to your heart. Look to the Lord. Know what He has done. And live in love like Jesus did. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to stand up here and just preach your word. It's just such a powerful experience. 
So help us recognize the needs of this world. Open our eyes so that we can see. Open our hearts so that we can feel. There's pain all around us. There's needs all around us. Help us reach out. Help us affect change. The way a businessman in Minnesota did. Set our hearts on fire so that we can serve you and love like you did. In your name I pray. Amen. That was wonderful. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for being here today. It's just an awesome experience for me. So uh, thank you. Um, you received the charge. You've been fed by the blessing and joy of the Holy Spirit and God. And I'm just so thankful. But go and be blessed. Go in peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.